Welcome to Master Runner. I'm your host, Mike Warren, and I'm going to go ahead and just dig right in here um, because anytime you get to hang out with your best friend, it's a lot of fun, but I learned through doing this, it's also a lot of fun to interview your best friend for your podcast. Um, the guy you're going to hear from shortly is um, my best friend, Brian Fortini, and the reason I had him on, I, I should have actually made him probably my first episode is because the guy um, has a story that should move anybody with a pulse. Um, long story short, and you're going to hear a lot more details on this, but long story short, um, he was a track stud in high school and he, um, at the age of 41, started this running streak Um and um, something happened last October that interrupted that. On day 2138, um, he was in a, um, a horrific car crash that nearly ended his life. Um, it led him to uh, just about two weeks in the ICU. Um, and quite frankly, when I saw him a couple days after it had happened down in the, the hospital in Florida, I, I you know... There were still those questions of, you know, is he going to make it? Um, so the running streak got cut short at 2138. Um, you, you look at pictures of the accident and you'd be astonished that anybody, uh, anything could survive this car crash. Um, he was hit by an 18-wheeler multiple times and uh, the accident was so severe that the chrome bumper of the 18-wheeler was um, pressed against his ribs, and on the other side of his um, ribs was the center console. Um, all in all, he broke 14 ribs, uh, two collapsed lungs. He actually broke, he had 22 breaks throughout his ribs, but 14 individual ribs were broken. Um, shattered clavicle, um, miraculously, he had no head trauma, and you're going to hear in a little bit, he was able to wiggle his fingers and his toes. It's amazing. But one of the first things that, um, you know, when I got down there to see him, uh, he said was he mentioned, you know, something along the lines of there goes my running streak. And this guy is incredibly committed to um, everything in his life, especially the friendships he has and the people around him. Um he um, he's just one of those rare um, birds, if you will. And um, so I wanted you to hear his story. One of the things you're going to hear is he talks about W-Y-E. And W-Y-E is uh, what's your excuse. Um, if you are one of those individuals that we all are there sometimes, but, you know, you say, well, you know, it's too cold, it's too hot, it's too windy, it's snowy, it's icy, it's rainy, you know, the sun isn't isn't shining down at the right angle uh, to give me the amount of vitamin D I need, um, it's too dark, it's too, if you come up with those excuses, um, and we all could come up with a thousand of them um, as a reason not to do something, to not go for that run, um, Brian's going to turn that on its head. Um, he started his streak back up. Um, I want to say the end of January, maybe the third week of January, the accident was 
the third week in October. So two weeks in the ICU, multiple breaks, um, a zillion tubes hanging out of his body um, to get him back up to shape. And he's back out there making no excuses. And he, this is a guy that can have a thousand different excuses if he wanted them. Um, from his ribs hurt, his titanium, you know, his rib cages not feeling great, his clavicle isn't feeling, he could go down the list of excuses um, and, and just pick out anyone he wanted to, but he doesn't. He's out there every single day running at least one mile, that's his commitment, that's part of his streak, one mile a day, um, no matter what. So this episode should inspire all of you to, if if you're guilty of making excuses why you can't do something, this should hopefully change that, and you should realize that um, that you and none of us um, have any excuses um, to not put on the shoes, to lace up, and at least give it a shot and get out there. So... Um, the other thing I want to mention is the audio quality on here. I didn't want to re-record it, but the audio quality on here is not great. Um, it was just a function of that day, and and he was, you know, I guess a, a tricky area, and I, I'm not quite sure. But the audio isn't great. But please adjust your volume up or down, whatever you need to do to make sure you hear his entire story because it's extremely valuable. Um, the other thing I will mention: alert, alert, alert. There is some cursing in here, and that's because um, I guess I'm guilty of it. When I get together with my best friend, I tend to, um, or anybody that I've known for a while, I tend to throw them out there. So it's largely my fault, but just know that they're in there. Um, Brian contributes a little bit. He's not a saint, but they're, they're largely my fault. So I apologize in advance, but please know that they're in there. Um, anyway, I'm going to shut up. I need to shut up. Without any further ado... Listen to this story and, uh, um, you know, just take it all in from Brian Fortini. There's my best friend, Brian Fortini. Um, dude, it's good to see you again. How you doing? Doing all right, Mike. Doing I mean, all right. I haven't seen you in what, all of uh, three days, I think, you know? Yeah, yeah, about <laughs> three days. That's right. So I was thinking about this episode and like, it's going to be probably the most fun I'll ever have doing this podcast because um, it's pretty cool because you are a runner and you're my best friend. So like, I mean, it should be the coolest episode by far. Um, so a little quick backstory on Brian and I, um, we met September of 1987, right? That is correct. And we were in middle school. We had just started eighth grade, right? Correct. Yeah, Your memory is right. a little better than mine, but I'm not totally shot at this point. Um, and, you know, we ended up sitting at the, um, the same lunch table together. And, um, and since then, I've just become and been best friends. And so here we are. This year will mark the 35th uh, anniversary right? Is That's right. That's insane right. insane that you're that old. I mean, I haven't aged at all, but it's, it's sad that you're that old now. And like 35 years have gone by since we met, you know, kidding, bad joke. Nope. All good, Mike. All good. Um, so Brian, um, 
aside from being my best friend of 30, I'll call it 35 years because it just sounds tougher than 34 years at this point. Um, so Brian and I have, you know, um, been through a lot, a lot of um, good times, bad times, challenging times, just like anybody else who would, um, who would, uh, you know, endure together for 30 plus years. Um, Brian was actually a track stud in, um, in high school when I took the path of deciding I wanted to sit on the, uh, the bench for JV lacrosse. And the thing that I, I think I've mentioned before that ruined it for me um, was that damn presidential fitness test where, you know, the gym teacher would clock your mile at the beginning of the year and then he'd clock it at the end of the year. And the hope was that at the end of the year, you got a little faster than you were in September. And, um, and you know, nobody told me anything about pace. And so I ran it like I was running a 400 and the last three laps sucked and I hated this running thing. And I, and then there you are in high school, this, this track stud, like, I don't know how you got past that presidential fitness test, but we're, we're that's one of the things I'm going to ask you about is how the hell you got past that presidential fitness test. Cause that totally ruined it for me. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Brian and I have known each other for a really long time. And uh, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I wanted to have him on today is um, he uh, went through a really almost near death um, accident last October. And um, not only did um, everyone think that he wasn't potentially going to make it, um, but it was it was one of those things that you just never think will will happen to to someone that you care this much about and so brian um has had this running streak going um which was uh, uh interrupted a little bit by this car crash back in october and uh and we're gonna cover that because as i look at you right now and you have um it's insane that all the progress you've made since the accident, but, you know, since the accident that almost ended your life, you are now back on that running streak and tougher than ever. And uh, so, you know, I hope everybody that listens to this thing will hear the, um, uh, the message behind this and really be inspired by everything you're doing. Cause I mean, I'm freaking inspired by what you're doing. So um Anyway, so we got a lot of crap to cover with you, my friend. And, um, you know, I'm curious, I talked about the, um, the track thing in, in high school. And um, I, I actually, I never asked you this, I don't think. Like, how did the track thing come to be? And like, what, what made you, especially with that disgusting presidential fitness test, which ruined it for me, what made you get into track as a, as a teenager? Like what was the allure? Um, <clears throat> well, let's see. I guess the allure was probably I just liked unleashing the competitive side of me. So as you know me for so long, you know that I don't really like losing anything and I'll keep playing a game or doing something until I've achieved the score or the time that I'm, that I want or hope to get. So you're a little competitive. Um, just a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> um, so really, I started running um, when I before I met you a little bit in private school. We used to have field day and track, and those were all shorter sprints. 
I wasn't the fastest guy, but I was one of the faster ones. So when I came to Perry Hall, middle and eighth grade, I had some level of fitness. Um, I still remember getting beat by a couple guys uh, in eighth grade because we did a mile run in eighth grade as well. So when we made it to ninth grade, I felt like I was in good shape and thought I had an idea of what track was really all about. And to be honest, in ninth grade, I had no clue. Um, so I ran the first presidential mile, uh, which I think we had to do in under 735. Yeah, I think I was somewhere the first year, ninth grade, September. I think I was somewhere in the mid sixes, which, you know, is respectful for somebody who thought they knew what they were doing and just went out there and ran. Um, but yeah, from that moment, um, you know, I realized I wasn't a long distance runner competitively as far as the mile goes. Um, so when I started track, Coach Martin um, put myself and a few other freshmen that were running together in a whole bunch of different relays to kind of see what our strengths were. So I remember running the 4x200, the 4x400, and the 4x800, and pretty quickly figured out that the 800 was going to be my event. And um, yeah, the 800 is probably the worst event, in my opinion, created by mankind. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What was so bad about the 800? So, you know, the 400 is pretty much an all-out sprint. Some people will slow down the last 100 meters, last 50 meters, your legs just get tired, they get heavy. Um, but you're all-out sprinting. Uh, whereas with the mile, you can kind of pace yourself. You want to stay within striking distance of the leaders, um, or if you are the leader, you can kind of pace yourself for four whole laps. Uh, the 800 is a different animal, in my opinion, only because you, <clears throat> you're almost running full tilt for 800 meters. There is no pacing because you fall behind. There's not enough distance to make it up. Um, so, yeah, it's just uh, one of those events that you get done and you kind of want to puke. <laughs> so, but to... Back to what I was saying before, that's the reason I freaking hated the miles because like the idiot I was and like not knowing any better, you know, you redline it for the first lap and your, your, you know, your PE teacher is like, yeah, nice job. And then, and then by the fourth one, you're toast. I think some of those shorter distances are really hard because, you know, like we said, with, with the hundred, the 200, the 400, you can kind of you can truly redline it, yep. roughly redline it, especially when you're talking about the 100, 200. But I feel like it's a different game once you get beyond maybe, like you said, the 800 and, and you have to really think hard about pacing and, and stuff like that, which is a totally different. Um, yeah, yeah, the pacing, pacing on anything above an 800 can be, you know, can be tricky in a lot of guys. Um, you know, we did it in gym class. Uh, you and I didn't have gym class together. And people knew I ran track, so we'd go out and we get started. And most of the guys in gym class would say, "Okay, see you later," and they'd kind of wave to me as I went past them or lap them because most of them were walking; they didn't really care. And I was just out there <clears throat> running it for me, and just I looked at it as almost like a warm-up run for the torture I would endure at track practice later that day. So, <laughs> oh, I gotcha, I gotcha, yeah, I gotcha. Did like. Did you always, like, I don't know if I really have 
again, ask you this either, but as a kid, I always felt like I liked the individual stuff. Like, you know, the whole premise of this podcast is master runner. Cause I had a, a background <laughs> in martial arts and I always liked the individual stuff because, or even playing, playing tennis with you all these years, you know, it's, it's you against you. And it, it's, um, I never liked, and I tried the rec sports and stuff like that, like soccer and baseball. And I mean, I had virtually no athletic talent, so that was part of it. But the other side of it is I hated, you know, my teammates yelling at me or like, how did you drop it? Come on, Warren. Like, what? I just didn't, because I beat myself up so much that I didn't need some other idiot saying you should have caught that Mike or what it what you know I just didn't need that because I was my own worst critic so like did you always gravitate toward the individual stuff more so or yeah and and I kind of fall in the same line with you as um and my own worst critic so while I did enjoy uh, team sports and still do to this day <clears throat> track I feel like it's really a different animal in that when, especially in high school or college, whatever it may be, when you're on a track team, cross country team, your performance is individual. So there's no one that's going to be yelling at you in the middle of a cross country race or the middle of any other race, because we're all gasping for air. There's time to survive and run and run and finish. Well, Um, I did like the, the aspect of the cumulative, efforts of my team so track kind of gave me the best of both worlds to where my individual performance you know I could still not necessarily that I was out there for the accolades I just like beating people like I wasn't concerned about you know medals or ribbons or anything like that I was just worried about did I beat this guy or if someone beat me a previous meet okay I'm going after that guy this meet so I kind of had that mentality um, but I did enjoy the like I said the cumulativeness of the team effort and us winning track meets or winning championships or things like that, because we all kind of very much like the running community that we're all part of now is that you have that camaraderie of, yeah, maybe somebody had a bad day, but you're still, Hey man, you're still a runner. You're still out there mm-hmm. doing things that other people think about and never do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I do gravitate again, more towards individual things um, aside from running, you know, tennis, martial arts as well like yourself so I enjoy that my performance is only gonna be as good as what I do versus hey I did fantastic and four other people you know couldn't do what they were supposed to do or eight other people or ten other people whatever it was yeah I also think there's a lot more I don't know pride in the individual stuff because it's only you and like you determine what you need to get better whatever you're doing it doesn't matter like Again, if it's, you know, if it's, if it's tennis, if it's martial arts, if, if it's running, you kind of put together this um, prescription and you say, all right, if I want to get better, I want to win more at, at this. Um, if I want to run a faster 800 or a faster, you know, 5k or whatever, this is what I'm going to try to do to get myself better. And, and it's like, I don't know. I just, I think there's something when you put all the work in and, and you put all the effort and the energy and you write these I'll call them prescriptions for yourself that, and, and then you execute that. Like that's, that's something to really be proud of, you know, like at least that's my yep. opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, people say 
to me and, and I'm sure probably to you as well. Oh, you guys run really far. I, I couldn't run that far. And I, you know, I can't imagine doing this or I can't imagine doing that. And I say, you know, I didn't start out being able to run what I run, nor did you. You can't say, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to sign up for a marathon and go run it next week, having not trained or not done any of the work because you won't make it. Um, mm-hmm. I would tell people, if you're trying to get fit, go out and do what you can. If it's a walk, run for a mile or for a half mile, or yeah. if you're in the kind of condition or shape that people like yourself are in, you go out and say, I'm going to go run an easy five miles today. You're just, you're doing it. The motion and the activity is what, for me, is what builds the consistency and the desire to keep doing it. Yeah, I'm not as fast most days as I am other days, but I look at it like, okay, here's my personal record for this course. And mm. you know, I have certain courses that I run. I'm, most of them on the road. They say, okay, this is my, this is my personal record. And some days when I get out to run, I say, hmm, today feels like maybe a PR day. Other days I go out there and I say, hmm, today's just going to be a run. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to soak in the air because you have to listen to your body. And the more you listen to your body, the better I feel like you're in tune with yourself and what you can do that day. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that you, you know, suck if you're five minutes slower than you were three days ago. It just means you're just slower today. Nobody, yeah. you know, track athletes don't set world records and PRs every track meet they go to. Yeah. Try. Um, and that's kind of the goal is to continually better yourself and, and dialing little different things in like, hmm, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't have eaten a steak before I decided to go run five miles. Maybe that wasn't <laughs> a good idea. Um, so, you, <laughs> you know, you learn, you learn different things about yourself, your body, and, and what you're capable of just by trying. I also think that um, I, I'll add another different type of day into that. I have the days where it's like, I feel like shit days. And it's like, I really don't want to do this. I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like going to do it. But you know that you're not going for anything other than just showing up and running and knowing that you're going to feel better at the end of it than you did at the beginning. Um, oh, absolutely. So absolutely. I've had, especially in the winter, I had, uh, I always have a lot of those um, days, um, which are painful when it's like eight degrees outside and you get got to get out of your warm bed to hop on a trail and, uh, you know, get your miles in and all that. So yep. I, so this, this will lead me up. Let me hit the fast forward button and we'll freaking go up, up, up about 25 years. You decide at the age, I mean, you were what, 40, 41, that you wanted to start this running streak. Like you had your, yeah. Yeah, okay. How in the hell? And, And before I, I continue with the, how the hell, as a side note, Brian, who, who, like I mentioned, was this track stud and all that, um, decided that he was going to start this streak. And uh, as we sit here today, today will mark what number, Brian? Uh, today will be 2,250. All right. So think about that for a second. Everybody listening, like, think about that. So the days that you not only feel like shit, but the days you could actually, you know, be legitimately sick with the flu, um, you could, you know, you could 
I don't know, maybe step on a piece of mulch and have the mulch go into your foot. I think I know somebody who had that happen, Brian. Um, All these days, all these excuses, you know, you're traveling, you're doing this, you can't do that. Ah, you're, you're, you're going here. There's no way you can fit it in. Think about that. The fact that for 2,250 consecutive days, which we're going to hit on day 2138 in a little bit, but for that long to every single day, not make an excuse and at least at a minimum get in one mile a day for that long, even on the days when you can barely move because you have the flu. Most people would be confined to a bed watching Mr. Rogers or the Flintstones or something like that, you know, eating chicken noodle soup. And here's this crazy guy, Brian, that's like, no, I can barely walk. I'm going to get my run in. What made you start this thing? And did it even, did it really not even, did you not start out thinking you were going to do this streak? Was it like, like number 100? You were like, I'm really onto something here. I'm going to keep this thing going. (laughs) So oddly enough, um, how it started was kind of very just inconspicuous. Um, So I'm part of a running group. Uh, we'll call it the Magic Milers uh, for the fact that we run a lot of races through Disney. So um, our travel guy, who's also part of the Magic Milers, um, put out a little challenge and said, okay, for anyone that'll run uh, 365 days in a row, I'll send you a hoodie. Um, it had like the, uh, Mickey ears on it and things like that. And I thought, hmm. I mean, I run most days anyway. At that point, I think I was running four to five days a week. So I said, yeah, what's the difference? I can turn the dial a little bit and I'll get started. Um, So that's kind of what got it started. And then strangely enough, um, you talk about not making excuses, things like that. So I think I was maybe 40 days in, 45 days in, uh, we actually got a very serious snowstorm, actually the largest in Baltimore history. We got 30 inches of snow over about a two day period. So what I decided to do was I ran Friday evening before the snow started, got Friday's run in. And I literally sat and watched my watch for 12.01 Saturday. And it already started snowing. So it was about eh, three, maybe four inches of snow on the ground. Uh, I decided to go run in the snow. And then I literally watched it snow all day Saturday and into Sunday and waited for the snow clouds to go by so I could run on the road with probably still eight or six inches of packed snow on the asphalt. Unfortunately, I don't have a treadmill at my home, so I have to either go to the gym or run outdoors. And that was one of the things I said, well, okay, I didn't want to start my streak over. And that was only day 40. So really early on, I made that commitment to say, okay, I'm going to at least make the 365. And once I got there, it just, it becomes like brushing your teeth, or at least it did for me that I said, well, this is kind of fun. I just go out and run and I don't have to go 10 miles or 15 miles a day. I go a mile a day set my pace and yeah there's been plenty of days um instances where i can think of where i probably shouldn't have run um last january of 2021 i was quite under the weather probably dehydrated temperature would fluctuate between 100 and 102 and i would still go out and get my mile in they weren't the fastest but i went and got them in because i knew in my mind that i i didn't want to break it and i'd feel worse if I didn't run and just made the excuse of saying, oh, you're sick. And people, you know, people around me, oh, you should run, you should relax. And 
I come back and I'd be in sweat, you know, sweating profusely and <laughs> I got it done. It may have taken 10 or 12 minutes, but I got it in and I felt better yeah. about running. <laughs> my body might not have agreed with me, but in my mind and my spirit, I felt much better for just having say, said to myself, there is no excuse for not doing it. It's kind of a commitment to myself of saying, until I can't physically do it, I'll just keep running. And that's kind of the, the attitude that I've taken with that. I think that's one of the things, I mean, one of the many things I've always admired in you is that like, you know, we live in a world, especially when it comes to exercise, there's a lot of people that don't want to exercise. Like I remember one guy years ago telling me, it was so funny too. His name was Neil, but he was like, and I worked with him. He was like, you know, cause I would leave at work when I was working in the office years ago, um, you know, I would leave at lunch and go to the gym and work out and come back. And he, he looked at me and he's like, I, I know you always say that you feel better when you do it, but I actually feel a lot worse when I do it. And that's why I don't do it. And it was like, <laughs> it was really funny when he said that, but like, you know, I think that especially nowadays, there's always an excuse. There's some reason that we can all as human beings fall back on. You can say, well, yeah, you know, it's too snowy. It's too cold. I don't have enough time. And the, I don't have enough time thing is always meant to me that you, you don't want to make the time because, you know, exactly. if you get up at 530 and you work, 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 work in a way, well, if it really meant something to you, then that just means you have to get up at 430. Um, so I never, and I, and, and with you, like never making excuses and stuff like that in a world where most people are really, really good, like have their PhDs in making excuses. Ah, oh, you know, the dog's sick. I can't, it's too, it's 10 mile an hour winds. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's too rainy. It's too, I don't feel good. I don't like, that's all bullshit. It really just depends on how much you really want it. If you really want it, then you're going to find a damn way to do it. That's, um, that's absolutely true. So, and I, so with this streak and that length of time, the reason I I'm going to ask what I'm about to ask is for those listening, um, last March was when we did our Disney thing, right, Brian? I think. Yes. Yes. So my family and I, we went down to Disney and, and uh, you know, Brian was living down there and I was like, hey, you know, because we're big Star Wars fans. I was like, why don't we meet up? And we'll go, you know, check out the Star Wars stuff. We'll go to Hollywood Studios and like, you know, control the Falcon and like, you know, do all this cool stuff. So Brian joined us down at Disney. And um, so we spent, we closed Hollywood Studios down. And I think we, we, I don't know if we finished the evening at Oga's Cantina or something like that, but we, we shut it down. Like we were whatever. Yep. And we get back to the hotel we were staying at. It's pitch black. I don't know what time it was, but I remember just the sea of people leaving Magic Kingdom. They were, I mean, it had to be like nine, 10 o'clock, something like that. And Brian, and to, to illustrate how this, how crazy this streak is and how much it really does control you. He, I don't know if you asked me like where I can run or are there any running trails? And I was like, yeah, I think right along the side of the the hotel, you know, there's a trail. And I think if you take it long enough, you can actually take it to the magic kingdom and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, okay, whatever. So the dude literally 
while we're about to go back to the hotel and like pass out, Brian is like, no, I'm going to get my run in. So Brian, I don't know if you ch- even changed. You just, did you just start going for that run at like 10 o'clock um, at Disney? No. So I actually, I brought clothes. So I went back to the car um, and then you know, ran through um, the Floridian is where you were staying. So I ran through kind of the complex and there was a trail that ran alongside the, I guess, a lake or river, whatever that Disney's created there where they do uh, the boat parade. So I'd run along there and the trail actually takes you, the sidewalk, whatever, takes you all the way to Magic Kingdom. So I ran there and as I'm coming back, I see the boats going past and they're all lit up, boat parade stuff. It was cool. What had happened was there was a bridge that they turned, um, almost like an old train bridge, but turned it so the boats could go through. So I had to keep doing uh, like back and forth just to get my mileage in until they opened, <laughs> until they opened the bridge so I could get back to my car. <laughs> so I was like, because as I'm running back up, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm stuck over here. And I think I had enough mileage to finish. And I said, well, I'm here. I'm going to be stuck probably for 15, 20 minutes. I'll just keep uh, doing, I guess, parallels or back and forth. So the funny part was I'd run back to Magic Kingdom and there'd be people there. I'd run back, go back to Magic Kingdom and the same people were there. And they were looking at me like, why does this guy keep running back and forth? And, I was running, <laughs> and I'm running, you know, I'm running past families and stuff. And I'd see them on the one way and then I'd pass them on the way back. And they're looking at me. And once they finally opened the bridge, I was able to weave my way back to the people and, and make my way back to the car. <laughs> Dude, I thought it was so funny that you, after the fact, you told me you got stuck there. Like, there, you're right. There's a path. So it's the Seven Seas Lagoon is, is the, mm-hmm. the, the water. And then there's the, um, it's called the electrical water pageant, which happens every night, like around like nine or nine 30. You can tell I hate Disney. Um, and yeah, they just, they just finished that bridge. So you're right. It turns to let the, 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 the parts of the water pageant go back into where they store it. And when it turns, ain't nobody getting to the other side. So you're either on one side closer to the magic kingdom, or you're on the other side where the hotels are in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And dude, that's so funny that you freaking got like stranded there, but you, yeah. you still got it in. That's right. Still got it in, made it happen. And, um, you know, it's funny. I rolled up to the, to the bridge the first time and the boats hadn't come through yet and the bridge hadn't started to turn. So I asked the guy, I said, he had locked the gates or closed the gate. I said, Hey, can I cross over? He goes, Oh, not yet. You got to wait till the boats are through. And I said, they were still probably a couple hundred yards away. And I said, I can't go. And he's like, no, you got to wait. Oh, okay. So just again, started running back and forth and kind of comedic. I'm like, oh, racing the boats up along the lagoon and I turn around and go, <laughs> I love that. Those people must have thought you were freaking nuts. Like, what is this guy doing? I just saw this guy. Like, what the hell's everybody's leaving with like Mickey Mouse balloons and uh, you know, the Mickey premium bar ice creams in their hands and like, you know, exhausted. And here's this dude freaking running. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. What's been, so with that in mind, what's been the craziest, I'm not sure how to phrase this, but what's been like the craziest or most difficult day to get your run in? Were you like stranded at an airport or in an airplane or like? Um, there's been, there's been a couple. Um, most of them have been out of my control, so to speak. So if I know I'm going to be traveling somewhere, flying or whatever the case may be, and the flight is, let's say, at you know nine or ten in the morning, and I'm going to be traveling for a few hours, 
I know myself well enough to know that when I land, I'm probably not going to really feel like running that evening, or I might be getting somewhere so late that it's cutting it close. And with planes, we all know there can be delays. So I don't really leave any of that to chance. So what I do typically is if I'm taking a flight early in the morning, um, I'll do what I call the late night run where I, you know, I'm up late anyway. So I'll wait till 12, 1230 in the morning um, and I'll go out and I'll clock myself a mile or two and come back. So at least I've got the mile for that day. So in the event I get stuck at an airport, there's a delay or anything like that. I know I've got my mile in. So I've done that several times and a couple of times. I'm glad I did because I would have gotten, uh, I wouldn't have been able to get my run in because mm -hmm. of, because of delays with, with airplanes. Um, there was one time I was working for this company actually it was quite funny. I, I usually pack enough clothes if I'm going somewhere for a trip or whatever to at least cycle through once and maybe I'd pack one extra outfit just in case something happens. Um, this one particular time I was in um, Chicago and there was a storm. So I got stuck there and I had gone through all my clothes company I was working for said, hey, we're going to get you a hotel. I said, okay, great. I hope they have a gym. So by the time I got to the hotel and got to the gym, it was about 11.15 or 11.20 at night. So I've had several close calls to where the midnight hour is approaching and I start to kind of panic and freak out. Um, I had another instance actually down in Disney. My daughter was working there. This was 2017, um, October of 2017, actually. And we had gone in the same area. She'd gotten tickets for myself, my son, and my mom. We closed down Magic Kingdom. So as we come out to the area where they take you on a tram back to the parking lot, it was a sea of people, and it was already 10.30. So I started to think to myself, oh, my goodness. I started to panic. And in my brain, you know how I think, I said, well, if I get to the parking lot, I'll just run parallels up and down the parking lot until I get my mile. Unfortunately, I didn't have to do that. I made it to, <laughs> made it to my car and made it to my um, hotel at like 11.15 and again, uh, made it out there. So I've had several um, close calls, but as far as the hardest, meaning I guess physically would be, was probably last, last January uh, when I was really under the weather for the better part of two weeks. And I kept thinking, well, if I run, I'll break my fever, I'll feel better, which happened a couple of times. I'd break my fever or felt like I was getting better. I'd wake up the next day and back to zero. So I'd wait till 10, 10, 30 at night to give myself the energy to, to get up and get running. And those were days where I said, oh, I can stop running. I'm already almost 2,000 days in. Why stop now? Just go out and run slow. Like there's nobody judging you how fast you're running. I'm, I always look at it like no matter how slow you're going, um, you're always going faster than people that are sitting on the couch or people that are doing nothing. That's a good point. Holy crap. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you are. And, that, and that's why I always tell people that, like, you know, we discussed earlier, people that say to me, oh, I can't run that far. I can't run that fast. Nobody's judging you. Nobody yeah. is. People that run, you run a lot. You're kind of, you're a very big inspiration to me, how far and how fast you've gotten. Um, and I like to think I inspire some people. And when they say that stuff, they say, nobody's judging you. Runners don't judge each other. Yeah. There are people that are fast. There are people that are slow. Um, we all love each other because you're out there as a community, you're, you're running and we all, we all understand the pain. Nobody starts out going super fast. Yeah. Some of us are blessed with talent early in life and you have to develop that, but nobody starts out fast. We all know what the pain is to say, Oh, I could barely run a mile before. And now I'm not running 
you know, half marathons or marathons two years later. Yeah. It's a progression. It's a step that nobody judges you in the running world. We all out there and cheer each other on and, and keep each other moving because we understand the, what it is. It's a euphoric yeah. feeling. You get out there running and it's that singularity of yourself and you're running against yourself. And we also know it's a community because there's always, you know, people lifting you up. Good yeah. job. Keep running. Keep going. That's why I love. That's why I love running. People always often ask me that question. Oh, why do you love running? I hate it. It's terrible. Kind of like you back in high school. Like, oh, I ran the first lap and it sucks and I hate it. And yeah. When you get into it, fast or slow, whatever the case may be, it becomes a. It just becomes part of your soul. Well, and I think it's 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 your own thing too, right? Like you know, it's it's um. You know, my son and I, Braden, we ran a uh, uh, a 5K yesterday on the trail. It was kind of a makeup 5K because he had the one that was actually scheduled a little over a week ago. He had a basketball game and, you know, it, he really wanted to give 100% at this basketball game. And it would have been immediately after the 5K. So I was like, all right, I'll, okay. In this one instance, I'll, I'll let you slide. and But you're going to make it up. Like, I'm not going to let you wear this T-shirt until you actually... And he's fine. He's done other 5Ks and stuff like that. Um, and he's, he's about to start track and field and stuff like that locally. And so, you know, we're out there running. And, um, and my mom did something like this recently, too. And I just, it, it made me, I don't want to say sick, but it just, it kind of annoyed me a little bit. But it, uh, you know, and, and so what he said is, you know, we're running. And here he is, a 12-year-old kid running 3.1 miles, which... I would have laughed at 12 if somebody was like, yeah, um, Mr. Warren, I'd like you to go ahead and run 3.1 miles. I, as much as I hated running, period, I'd have been like, you know, you know, I, I'd rather, you know, have a javelin thrown through my uh, midsection than, than go run 3.1 miles back then. But, you know, and as we're running, you know, and we, we went out 1.55, turned around, and as we're turning around, because I'm so freaking proud of him. I mean, like, he's just absolutely the most amazing kid in the world. And I'm a little biased because I'm his dad, but I love him to death. And I cherish every single time I'm out with him, especially the, the, the trail time and the running time I have. I never, I'm not going to push it on him, but if hell, if he wants to run, that's going to be kind of cool. Yep. So we're doing this. And he says to me, he says, um, I said, because I was like, dude, you're, you're about to finish another 5k. That's, that's insane. And, and he said, oh, I know it's, it's not, I know it's nothing compared to what you do. And I was like, dude, you got to understand what I do. There are many, 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 many people in the world that would look at what I do and be like, that's nothing. I mean, I do that in a day. <laughs> you know, who cares? You know, there, there are guys when you, you're doing, you know, a 50K, 50 mile or whatever it is. It's like, you know, there are the guys out there doing 250 mile races, there's 300 cases. So there's always going to be somebody that's doing more than you. And I told him, I said, dude, here's the deal. Somebody that can only run a lap around the track is going to be really inspired by the fact that he knows you just ran 3.1 miles. So maybe that kid that can only do a mile around the track is like, wow, you know, Braden did 3.1 miles. You know what? Instead of one lap, I'm going to try to go for two or the person that does nothing says, I'm going to try a lap around the track. And I said, you know, it's all relative. So like nope. 3.1 miles is still 3.1 miles. One mile is still a long distance. Like, but I think we live in this world where 
you know, we compare ourselves to other people and it's like, no, dude, the, what you're doing is a big deal. And it's going to inspire people who aren't doing what you're doing to step up their game a little bit. And you're going to be the inspiration at 12 years old to inspire that kid that sits next to you in math class that you just told you ran 3.1 miles. And he's like, Whoa, that's kind of cool. You know? So, and my mom did the same thing recently. Like she was all proud of herself. I mean, you know, she's, she's been walking more recently and she's, um, she's been doing like three and a half, four mile walks, you know, That's several excellent. days a week. And, and she did the same thing. And she's like, I know it's not much compared. And I'm like, mom, but think about that. You're in your seventies and you just freaking, you walk three and a half, four miles. Like we're talking miles. So like, don't people get in this thing where they're like, well, I know it's not a lot. No, it's a lot. And you know, sprinting 20 feet is a lot to the person who's sitting on the couch and can't get out of the couch. So it's all relative. So anyway, that's, that's crazy. So like going back to this streak, I mean, number one, it's insane. Um, it requires some of the most dedication I think that's out there. Um, something kind of crazy happened at day 21, 38 in October of last year. This is the part of the story, aside from getting to that 21, 38 and you know, inspiring people around you that you're, you're putting in all these miles, all these days. And um, the event that happened to you back on 21, 38 almost ended not only the streak, but ended you and I think you learned the hard way that you should never say the only thing that's going to stop this streak is me getting hit by a truck, right? Like you'll never say that again. But right, what? Right. That's for so sure. <laughs> go back. I don't remember the exact date. I remember getting the call sure, um, sure. the day after or two days after from um, your then girlfriend down there, and 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 you know that you were in the ICU and and almost feeling like I wanted to throw up and trying to get the the first plane ticket I could down there to be with you. I mean, go through the day, go through what happened. Sure, sure. So uh, it was a Friday afternoon. It was October 22nd of 2021. Uh, I was in my car, which was a Toyota Solera convertible, which I had only just purchased yeah, about six weeks prior. So I'm in my car, I had the top up. Uh, I was driving. I had my cell phone in my cup holder using it for directions. I was headed to do a walkthrough um, via FaceTime with my client. I'm in real estate. So I'm stopped, on, stopped in traffic on 75 South, which is a three-lane highway which runs north and south of the west coast of Florida. Uh, so I've been stopped for probably 15, maybe 20 seconds. And... I absolutely heard nothing. I saw nothing coming and then literally got hit by a tractor trailer, probably traveling somewhere around 60 miles per hour mm. um, from behind. Uh, he then pushed my car into several other cars. And then once my car actually came to a complete stop, his tractor trailer continued to run over my car almost completely. He, was parked literally on top of me while I was pinned in my car. Um, so yeah, you 
in those moments, you learn a lot of things about yourself and what's important to you. And, and to be honest, you know, I really wasn't sure I'd make it out of there. Uh, I thought that the lack of air that was in my car. But talk about what was creating that lack of air. Like, this is the part of the story. I want everybody to understand, like, this was some serious shit. Like, this was a really bad accident. The bumper of the 18-wheeler is where? (laughs) So so his bumper had entered my vehicle and parked itself within about an inch or two of my left rib cage. Uh, I was pinned up against my console in between his bumper. So... Once everything kind of came to a complete stop, I did a thing, which I don't know if most people would do. I did. I kind of wiggled my fingers and wiggled my toes, and they all worked. So I thought to myself, well, at least at this present moment, I'm not paralyzed. I can feel things. Uh, As I went to take a deep breath, because, again, he had kind of opened my vehicle and closed it with his truck. And come to find out, I went to take a deep breath and felt something when I took that deep breath, uh, which come to find out was his bumper. Uh, <laughs> so, at, yeah, so at that moment, I figured, well, as opposed to trying to panic, because it's very easy to do, um, I was already halfway laying down across my passenger seat, my right arm was extended, right rib cage pinned against the console. I said, I'm going to just try to go to sleep, almost pass out, relax. Um, which is what I did. I woke up on several different instances um, to different things. First time, people talking around me, they had already cut the the windshield off and taken the roof off my car to give me air. Um, and they were trying to take me out from under the driver's side door. There was no room. So I remember simply saying to them, uh, you have to get this truck off me. Please hurry. I don't want to die. I do remember saying that to them. Um, Stayed awake for another few minutes after that, went back to sleep or passed out, whichever it may be. Uh, and I woke up to the sound of uh, the rescue helicopter here in Maryland. We call it the medevac in Florida. It's probably something different, but woke up to the sound of that pretty high up in the sky. It's a very loud helicopter. And I thought to myself, well, okay, they're coming to get me at this point out, maybe 50, 50. Uh, also at that time I saw the tow truck, it has a crane attached to the back of it to lift the truck off me so they could pull me out of my car. Um, so that all happened within a couple minutes. I do remember getting pulled out of the vehicle um, and my body not really being in one piece. Um, it was quite broken. I do remember getting pulled out and put on the helicopter. And then from there, it was um, yeah, about 22 hours before I woke up. Uh, the accident happened at 11.30 in the morning. I think I got onto the helicopter probably a little bit after 12, 12.30, close to. Um, and I woke up Saturday morning, probably around 9.30, 10 o'clock. At that point in the hospital with a whole bunch of uh, tubes in different places. I had an oxygen tube. I had um, five chest tubes to pull out things from my lungs so they could figure out what was going on and see if I was going to make it, even at that point. Yeah, I remember, you know, when I got that phone call and coming down to see you, I didn't know, I didn't know what I was in for. Like, as far as, I mean, I, she had sent me pictures and I had gotten a couple of pictures of the car and stuff like that. But, you know, when I got there and you were, 
out of it, still in the ICU and um, all the, the tubes running out of you and you were still, you know, not rightfully so, not with it. You were probably heavily drugged at this point and feeling kind of spacey. Sure. Sure. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things that like, it, to me, and I, and I, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir with this, but it, it was another reminder of how short this little stint on earth is and that at any point, you know, God could punch your card. You could, you, you said, ah, you're done. And somebody you love that's near and dear to your heart gets pulled away or you get pulled away and that's it. And that can happen at any point. And, you know, we all think that things will go on forever and the friends and the family we have will be here forever. And that would be great. But then you also stuff like this happen. And I think the last two years with COVID and everything, it was another reminder of how we don't really have a lot of time down here, you know, and, yep. and all we have is right now and, and, you know, what we're doing and who we're spending it with and stuff like that. And when I saw you down there in the hospital bed, I mean, at, at, you know, as your best friend and somebody who has admired you for so long and you were the kid that just kicked ass all the time. You got in fights in high school and kicked ass out of high school. You kicked ass. You didn't take anything from anybody. You were just that tough guy that was hard-headed, which I could relate to. And that just was almost invincible. And then here you are laid out on this um, hospital bed, this gurney. And it was crazy. But I remember it was, you know, certain things are like a blur, which I know you can relate to, but when you get news like that, you see something like that, everything, you know, looking back, it's a little blurry. Um, but I remember one of the first things you said, the comments you made, I mean, you were really out of it, but once you started being able to, to speak, it was about your running streak. And it was, you know, it was something like, I guess, there goes my streak or something like that. And it was like, mm -hmm. there's the dedication, right? Like, that's why this guy's an animal because, you know, he gets hit by an 18 wheeler, has the chrome bumper of the 18 wheeler on his rib cage, cage um, almost dies, is in the ICU with 30,000 tubes in every major area, um, taking stuff out of his body so that he can live. And the first thing or one of the first things he thinks about is his running streak. Um, and that that is nuts. Like that's a whole different level of dedication and stuff like that but it you know it was just so important to you and it's been so important to you and I will say that when you said that and I knew how much it meant to you anyway but when you said that this is when you talk about the running community and yeah there's a lot of knuckleheads and there's people who you know say that you know their distance is better than this distance and you're always going to have that whatever it's like martial arts somebody says well Jiu-jitsu is better than Kung Fu. Now I think Kung Fu is better than all of them and better than, it's like, can't we just all be a family and get along? Right. right. But I realize how much of a family the running community is because um, I posted, I, I needed some way to kind of do something for you more than just be there and, and you know, reaching out to, to the running groups that I belong to and, um, and just saying, look, my friend, you know, he, he had this streak. He was at day 2138 you know, he's still in the ICU and, and, you know, we need your prayers. And as a friend, I want him to continue this streak. And if you could run 2.138 miles, if you could run a long run of 2138, or if you could do whatever you can do, just post it. Let me know that you're thinking of him and I'll show it to him and it'll really warm his heart. 
And you know, because I showed you, there were people yep. who had streaks from across the world. There was a lady in Germany who was one on one of the ultra running sites who she was the first one that reached out and said, hey, I forget what a streak was. I don't think it was mm -hmm. as long as yours. But she was like, I'll donate a mile every day for my run to Brian to keep it going until Brian gets well enough where he can run again. And I was like, that's crazy shit. Like only yeah. that stuff happens in a real family where somebody's like so selfless to say, you know what? And then before you know it, like people are donating their own miles and you had a, you had so many miles, you know, kind of like earmarked for you that like, yeah. yeah. So I think you wanted to give the streak up, but then those miles kept it alive. And then, so you come out of that, you go back home. When do you start? Cause you did pick up the streak because we are at day 2,250. So obviously the streak continued when, like when you came home from the hospital after all of that mm -hmm. and almost dying and having just all that stuff happen, when did you start thinking, it, let me phrase it differently. I know you started thinking about the running streak instantaneously. Do you think in an odd way, the running streak helped speed along your recovery because you were really working towards something? Um. Yes, and, and twofold, not to belabor my accident too much. Um, the doctor actually said that the fact that I was in the shape that I was in actually saved my life because, again, my lungs had been punctured, um, and I was stuck in my car, trapped there for 45 minutes. So my lungs were actually surviving off very, very tiny air pockets of air, which was what was keeping me alive. Mm. Um, so kind of all those times when people say, oh, you're crazy, you're running all these days, you're killing your knees, you're doing this, you're doing whatever. Um, no, that's what saved my life. Um, wow. Back to that point. So, yeah, when I when I came out of the hospital, which I was in there for exactly two weeks, don't remember the exact date when I came out. I want to say it was November third or fourth. Um, I had a broken clavicle as well, my left clavicle, so I couldn't really move much. And running at that point was kind of a hand. Um, so they kind of gave me a date of you know six to eight weeks before you really do much with that arm. I said, okay, so. 40 days is close enough to six weeks. We'll start running again. Uh, so I actually ran the, I actually ran one day uh, the day before Thanksgiving, just to kind of give it a, a go. Uh, and the neuropathy, which is when your nerves get damaged, um, was super, super painful. Um, so I said, okay, maybe I'd give that a few more days. So I decided that December 1st of 2021 would be when I would pick it up and just go. And no matter what the pain, um, my left side, my arm, whatever it may be, um, that was going to be, we're going to pick it up there and just go. Um, so it's been, it's been a, you know, it's been a mountain to climb, but I'm climbing it. Um, you know, every day I'm trying to run a little better, get back close to the speed I was before. Not that I was super fast, but faster than I am now. So again, it's that competitiveness of the internal me saying, okay, we used to do this. Now we're here. We need to get back to there. Um, but yeah, almost instantaneously coming out of the hospital, I, you know, if I could have um, taken my walker around the hospital for a mile, I probably would have done that and caught it. <laughs> but I, like, that's the, the thing about this whole thing is that for all the people that maybe it's just really hard to get started or to stay with it even if it's not running with something, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, 
here's a guy in you that had every single excuse known to mankind for not running or not doing it, but yet you go against that and it's almost like it's a villain, like it's an enemy. It's somebody that you have to fight. It's like, you know, nah, nah, not this guy. Uh-uh. No, I'm not going to let this derail me. Like, this is too important. And and uh, I think there's a lot to be said for being really stubborn and hard-headed, which, you know, you and I can both relate to. Yep. Um, yep. But, you know, for everybody who's just having a hard time or is, and we all know who we are because we all look ourselves in the mirror and we know if we made a bullshit excuse or we're just, you know, trying to get out of it. Here's somebody that you could have, you had a, a full list, almost like Santa's naughty and nice list that you could just pull out and be like, I don't want to run today or better yet. I can't run today because of my clavicle. I can't run today because of blank. Like you could have a thousand reasons not to do it. And yet, you know, I was looking at your stuff on Facebook this morning um, and you did almost four and a half miles yesterday, which is like, you think about that, like even for a normal person to run four and a half miles, to be what you've been through is, I mean, there's almost not the right amount of words to describe that. Like that's, that's real stuff to me. Like that's incredible. So thank you, Mike. um, Thank you. You're a, you're a monster for sure. So you're at 2250. I feel like that's a good number. 2250 yeah. consecutive yeah. days over 6 years, right? 6 6 Yeah, yeah, we uh we started December or I started December of 20 uh 15. Okay. So, yeah, we're 6 years and a couple months in. When I the first episode I did was with, you know, Wally Heseltine and you know, he's 78 and he's had a a streak similar to yours in, in some ways, but he's he's done a race every single month since September of 1981, and he which is he, fantastic. It, it it's insane. He's yeah. nuts anyway. Like I mean, I <laughs> I I mean, he's different. What he said, which I think you can relate to, I'll never forget. It's in the podcast, but he said at a certain point the streak owned you, mm-hmm. like it owns you. It doesn't give you any wiggle room. It doesn't give you any excuses. It, owns you and if you don't continue the streak you will feel like a total failure like you let your mother down or something like you know yeah. what I mean? is, that, yeah. <laughs> is that kind of how it feels like there's the you know you yeah know. It, it does it's you know and you don't going into it you don't realize it you don't understand the magnitude of it you know like i said you you get to day 100 and you're like okay cool triple digits and then you just keep going and then it's cool you see you see your number, whether it be, you know, I posted on Facebook for myself as a reminder. So 30 years from now, Facebook still exists and I'll be able to see it. Hey, 30 years ago, I ran whatever. Um, it does though. It just, it, it owns you in a way that you can't, most people can't understand. It's, I equate it to like brushing your teeth, right? You don't brush your teeth, you go outside, you start talking to people like, oh, I didn't brush my teeth today. Mm-hmm. I, I look at it like if I stopped running, uh, not only am I letting myself down, which is the most important thing, um, but the people that I have inspired, mm-hmm. yeah. one person, 10 people, whatever it may be, they look and they keep seeing it every day. And maybe it takes till 3,000 days before they go, okay, today I'm getting off the couch because 
Brian's been running for 3,000 days. Whatever it is, you, it just, it overtakes your, your mind, your soul. I mean, I, like I said, I've had close calls before and I start to freak out. Like I'm going to start to shake. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I have an hour and a half to run and I'm stuck somewhere. Um, so I pretty much always have running shoes on, whether it be the ones I'm currently running in or just slightly older. Um, and I remember a time when I went on a trip somewhere and I actually forgot to pack my running clothes. Oh. An overnight stay, but I forgot my running clothes. So I ran in a bathing suit and a t-shirt and my running shoes. Yeah. Uh, so you, you find a way, <laughs> you find a way to get it done. Um, you do what you have to do. And it just, I can't can't explain it it's you run you get it for the people that are listening and and thinking oh I you know I can't do it or today's not the day or just do it just get out and do it I mean I you know I put a little hashtag on my thing now it's w-y-e people say what's that stand for and it stands for what's your excuse Mm. because I kind of look at it very much like you do that yeah, I could sit here and say, oh, my neuropathy is acting up today and it hurts to run or, oh, this hurts. And, and I have plenty of recovery still to go. However, if I don't, if I don't have an excuse, you know, what is yours? Yeah. yeah. What excuse can somebody say to me that I'm going to say, oh, yeah, that's valid. Yeah. And that's the way most people, I think, should be with themselves. Like, yeah. OK. And even for myself, I look at other people that are far worse than me. Um, lost limbs or things like that and they're still out there competing running triathlons and things like that yeah there are people that go through stuff and they keep going so what is your excuse you, you don't have one that's valid except for the one you want to create in your brain and say yep that's a good one i'm going to stick to that excuse today it, it just yeah. doesn't work well, look at the look at the Paralympics recently. You know, I, I right, actually yeah. watched yeah. I watched a lot of that, probably more than the the, the Olympics itself. But like the Paralympics, like because that that stuff really inspires me. I mean, yeah, yeah. To see people, you know, who are paralyzed from the waist down or missing uh, a leg or both legs playing ice hockey, um, yeah. competitive ice hockey, like that that's insane to me so like that stuff inspires me more than seeing a you know a 28 year old you know kid who can can run a mile in <laughs> three minutes and 50 seconds or whatever like that stuff because that really like you're dealing with people who could find every reason every excuse in the world not to do it but yet they're like i'm gonna still find a way it's funny too because i think we're in a world where people aren't used to it's almost like that's a foreign concept. Like people aren't used to people sticking to something. I, Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, we went uh, to one of Braden's games and there was um, a a dad there that I hadn't seen in a while. Actually, it wasn't one of Braden's games. There's a basketball exhibition in town and we went to it and and I hadn't seen him really since COVID started. Um, Really nice guy, nice enough guy. And, you know, everybody want, everybody asked, I mean, you still running and did you run this morning it's like did you get out of bed this morning or did you <laughs> did you go to the bathroom this morning because it's such a it's almost it's it's one of those questions that but so he he looked at me and he's like you still running and i'm like no nah, i totally gave it up I, it was just a quick thing for me like nah, i just you know because i feel like people are used to that they're used to people saying 
you know, I, I did that. And then my back started hurting and then my, 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 my knee started bothering me. And I got kind of irritated. I'm like, and I told him, yeah. why am I getting irritated by this guy asking me if I'm still running? And I said, I shouldn't be, but it's such a stupid question. Like, it's like, you know, you still well, brush your teeth or you still, no, I stopped brushing my teeth 10 years ago. Like, you yeah, know. it's almost, a, I look at that stuff and it's kind of, they don't mean it yet. They don't realize they're doing it. It's almost like an insult. Right. Without them realizing it. Exactly. Like, oh, are you still working? <laughs> well, yeah, I got to pay my bills. So I'm still working. Yeah. Are you still running? Yeah. I value my fitness. So yeah, I'm still running or what, whatever it may be. Yeah. Are you playing tennis or no, you know, I, I live in a cardboard box now and yeah, know, don't do anything. So yeah, people don't realize that they don't mean, I don't think they mean to, they, they don't. just kind of are questioning your, like they're questioning your commitment without realizing they're questioning your commitment to something. That's it. Yeah. And I think that's Correct. the part that yeah. irritates me, but yeah. you're right. Nobody means any harm with it, but it's yeah. just like, yeah. people ask still, me all the time too. Yeah. You're still urinating when you get up. Nah, yeah. I decided just, I'm, I've been holding it for, you know, 15 years now. I just decided yeah. I needed something yeah. different, you know? Um, and, and yeah, the same goes for me. Oh, I'm still running and yeah, I'm still running. And I think that throws them so far off guard. They don't, Thing to ask how many days right like they see it and oh yeah they're still running yeah i've been doing it for six <laughs> plus years i'm just gonna keep going and yeah. so most people i think because like you said they were used to people giving up on things quitting on things whatever whatever it is whatever it may be that for somebody to do something for that long every single day involves physical activity to them it it doesn't really calculate on their brain like they can't figure out why yeah yeah like oh you're still running it's like a you know i didn't figure out a new way to split the atom i'm just putting on <laughs> shoes and going out and running and taking care yeah. of my body and because i like chocolate so i go run because i like chocolate yes so it's kind of that nice balance of oh i ran four miles i'm gonna have a candy bar now so that's good <laughs> Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I run. I run to. Uh, I run for the jelly beans. I got a trunk yeah. of jelly beans, and that's my that's my highlight. Um, so where does this whole thing go? Like, what? A, what? You know? I mean, I guess you can't say I want to get to number whatever. You're going to do this until you're completely physically, you know, incapable of of doing it, um, which you'll which will be never based on what just happened in October. But um, but what are your goals? Like, what do you want to do what do you want to accomplish is there anything you're shooting for or? Um, yeah sure there's there's plenty of stuff um hopefully well i shouldn't say hopefully i'll be competing with you i should say hopefully i'll get in um gonna do the pemberton 24 with you and i've kind of got a goal of that in mind to at least complete 12 5ks over the 24 hours so that's goal one um goal two is to get back to under two hours and a half marathon, which is slow for some, but I've done it a couple times. And that's kind of a thing I like to wear as a little badge of honor for myself. And then, um, you know, I think in 2023, we'll, I'll venture into some ultras, 50K. Don't know if I've got a 50 miler in me, but we'll see where this awesome journey takes me. Um, yeah, and just kind of um, continuing. You know, I had, I've had several people over the years, asked me, you know, how far are you going to go? And I didn't have an answer because the answer is until I physically can't. I might be 80, I might be 90, maybe it'll be yeah. 
you know, whatever. Um, and that number is cool. You know, like for me, it's kind of like, okay, how long does it take me to get to 10,000 days? That's, mm. that's next. And that'd be kind of oh, cool. How old, are, how old are we going to be at 10,000 days? I want to be really, oh, so we've got another 7,500 days to go. Uh, so we're about 18 years away. So I'll probably be about retirement age. I'm thinking somewhere around oh, 65. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, when you put it like 75 yeah, when you, years old, 65, yeah, when you, right? 65, yeah, somewhere in that, I think somewhere in that neighborhood. <sighs> Holy moly, that, that'll be cool, you know, that'll be at five digits, and we'll just keep going from there, I guess. It's like, well, and yeah, and Pemberton, I think, is gonna be awesome. For I mean, not everybody listening is gonna know what that is, and I talk about it, I feel like I'm the salesperson for Pemberton 24, but. <laughs> It, it is literally my favorite race. There is no energy like Pemberton 24. And um, it is, it's held in September in Salisbury and it's uh, 24 hours of running a 5k at the beginning of every hour. Um, some people go there to do each of the 24. Um, some people go to do five and then take a few off and then do another two or some people just go and they want to run 10 and leave or whatever. Um, but it's there to kind of do what you want to do. But the energy of that race, there's nothing, nothing, nothing like it I, out of the races I've done have just been, you know, it's just sensational. So I, uh, I can't wait, man. I hope you do it with me and, um, you know, it will be an experience no matter what. So, and it'll be Absolutely. your first, your first, uh, Ultra, your first sign up on Ultra sign up. That'll be pretty cool. That's right. Too. That's right. That'll be very cool. <laughs> so, got to keep pushing yourself. And that's kind of the, what I've tried to do. And, you know, got a slightly derailed with the, with the tractor trailer running over me, but just keep going. Yeah. So, we learned the lesson here that don't say it'll take a truck to hit you before you stop a streak. Don't joke about, yeah, it'll take an alien abduction to get me to stop my streak because you never know. The spaceship could land in your backyard. You could be abducted, and and your street could end. So be careful what you choose for uh, your words with. Uh, yeah, with that absolutely. Stuff, but... That's that's one lesson I learned for sure. I don't care about <laughs> trucks or anything like that or any other sort of stuff. Um, yeah, that's definitely one lesson learned. Um, and yeah, I think I may have made that comment several times within sixty days of it happening. So that definitely is. Yeah. Not in my vocabulary anymore. Well, Amy said when when that guy asked me, "You still running?" and I was like, uh, "Yeah, yeah." I I said, "I think I I said it or she said it." I think I'm a, actually I, what an idiot. I think I might have said it. I said I'll have to lose both legs before I stop or something like that. No. And I, right. I got in the car with Amy and I was like, "Shit!" Like, <laughs> what did I do? Like, right. and I, and right. I like looked yes. up and I'm like, "God, look! If you're listening, total joke." Like. Right. <laughs> I'm just messing around. I didn't mean any of it. I'm an idiot, whatever. So you just got to be careful of what you say nowadays. Um, yep. Absolutely. Even yourself. Well, dude, look, I, you know, this, I don't, I don't care how long this podcast lasts. Uh, if I do it into my nineties, this will be um, my favorite episode with my favorite person. And I think, I hope that the takeaway that anybody listening to this has regardless of if you run or don't run or do ultras don't do ultras if you just want whatever it doesn't matter what you do period um but that you're inspired by this and i think your story is ridiculously inspiring and i think for everybody who likes to make excuses in life for different things i think 
beyond running that this hopefully reminds them that there are no excuses and you can do whatever you want to do. You just have to find time to do it. And uh, yeah, man, it's ridiculously inspiring. So thanks for sharing the story today. I really appreciate well, it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And um, yeah, hopefully uh, can inspire one more person just to get out there and do it. We'll keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. Well, I always like to end it on this note. And uh, I, I need you to say this with me because it's only fitting. I always like to say, keep lacing up and keep inspiring. So on the count of three, we're going to say, keep lacing up and keep inspiring. You ready? One, ready. two, three. Keep lacing keep up. Keep lacing up and keep, keep inspiring. inspiring. There you go. You heard it from Brian himself. He gets hit by an 18-wheeler. He keeps on going. So keep lacing up. Brian, thanks for joining today, man. And uh, I will catch up with you soon. All See right. You. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, that was a fun hour and 15 minutes with my friend. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed that too. I think the, obviously the biggest takeaway is um, minimize the excuses we all have and, um, you know, the resilience that's deep inside all of us to power through a lot of um, difficult times. So again, hope you like that one and uh, thanks for tuning in. I will talk with you all again in a couple weeks.